Wow. Let's stand together, can we? Go ahead and give him praise. That's a great song. Wow. Amen. Amen. Now I'm going to tell you a real quick praise report. Abby had to have surgery on her throat. And when you have a voice like this and you go get surgery on your throat, that's scary. She was down for a year. For four months, she couldn't sing. The last song she sang before going into surgery was that one. You know something? And so it's all I can do to preach after that because that brought me to tears because um, God healed her. I'm going to promise you, your voice is fine now. All right. All right. Wow. If I can't preach after that, I cannot preach. Well, we're um, going through Vision 13. We want to have a vision for the year 2013. And I've been sharing four messages on just different things that have to do with the new year. First one was get vision. Second one was get wisdom. Today I want to talk about getting free. Don't do you any good to have vision and to have wisdom if you're not free to pursue it. So I want to talk about getting free. And I could call, call this lose the weight. Now I'm not going to talk about your pounds or what happened to you over Christmas. I'm going to talk to you about a different kind of weight. Let's look at it in Hebrews 12. And as I put Hebrews 12 up there, Hebrews 12 begins with therefore. So whenever you see a therefore, you look to see what it's there for. What is it there for? Hebrews 11 has given us a list of faith's hall of fame. And it ends, you know, talking about Abraham, Moses, Samson, all these different Bible heroes, men and women, some martyred, some weren't, some were tortured, some weren't. But it closes saying, these all died in faith. They didn't die doubting. They didn't die defeated. They died in faith. Now that's where the therefore picks up. Since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to this life of faith, let us, now read it with me, everybody. Let us lay aside every weight. Say with me, lose the weight. There it is. Let us lose the weight, every weight that slows us down. And the sin that so easily besets us. And how are we to run? With patience. The race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. How do we run? Our eyes are peeled on Jesus every day. Father, we thank you for your word. And I pray that you will minister to us in such a way today that the word will be like a surgeon's scalpel and go in and operate on our soul and deposit that seed of the word, Lord, that we are totally equipped to run the race in 2013 and obtain the prize. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and preach a little bit and say, get free. <laughs> amen. Now, I want you to notice that 
the Scripture mentions two things that drag the Christian down. There are sins and weights. Now, I believe the Holy Spirit moved on different men and that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. It doesn't have the Word of God in it. It, it is the Word of God. Let me say that again. It doesn't have God's words in it along with man's words. There's no book like this book. And it is the Word of God. God breathed, God inspired. Theonoustos is the Greek word. It means that it was literally breathed out by the Spirit of God. So the Spirit of God made a distinction between sins and weights. Or really the reverse. He began with weights and ends with sins. Let us lay aside every weight. And the sin. What does it do? Both of those things easily beset us. Besetting sins. We've heard that phrase often. These things beset us. It means they wrap themselves around us. They cling to us. They trip us up. Weights and sins. But they're not the same thing. The Bible is talking about two very different hindrances that, that drag the Christian down as we run the race. They drag us down and they prevent us from running that we may obtain and run to win. Paul was a winner. Paul didn't want to run for no reason. Paul said, I want you to run to win. Be a winner. And if you're hanging on to Jesus, you're going to be a winner because he's the ultimate winner. Now, most of us understand the meaning of sin. Uh, We hear it all the time. We're very sin conscious in the Western church, and that's a good thing. Sin is when you transgress the law. You break God's law. And I want you to picture two different people for a minute. First, what does it mean when somebody sins? Picture somebody walking down a sidewalk. And suddenly, they step into a rut or into a hole or they trip over something on that sidewalk and they fall headlong and they crash. They're not running at all. They're totally stopped. That's what sin does. Sin stops you in the race until you repent and get right. Sin trips you up, but weights slow you down. There's a difference. Both beset us. One, we're walking along and we trip and we fall headlong and we are totally stopped in the race till we repent. That's sin. But picture another man. He's got these ankle weights on that people put on their, their ankles so their legs will gain muscle. And they wear them around so their legs will get stronger. But now picture that man being told, you've got to reach a certain destination a mile down the road, and you've got to be there an X amount of time, let's say 45 minutes. Hook him. And he starts running with those weights on his leg. Whereas he might have gotten there in 15 minutes, he gets there in 45 minutes. Because he's running, but he's weighted. He's hindered. He's slowed down. There's a drag on his faith, a drag on his run. He doesn't fall headlong where he's not moving at all. He's just trying to get there, but every step is a strain because he's weighted down. Let us lay aside every weight and the sins that trip us up and the weights that slow us down. Both stop you from getting there. Both are working against you. The original Greek word that we translated into the word weight 
occurs only here in the New Testament. It's nowhere else in the New Testament. It's from a word meaning what is crooked or what is hooked. And, and it refers to anything that is suspended by a hook, by its whole weight. Now, I'll give you a picture. We've all seen meat lockers where there was uh, sides of beef or something hanging off of a hook. And there you have a picture of a weight as the Greek language is expressing it to us. It means, it means that something is hanging on to you and weighing you down. We think of a mountain climber who attaches himself to a hook. And sometimes when he has to push away from that mountain, that hook holds him, holds his weight completely, holds him in midair. The Holy Spirit is giving us a picture here that a weight is something that is attached to you. It's wrapped around you. It's clinging to you. So that you're trying to run, but you're dragging this dead weight. Sometimes we call it excess baggage. You're dragging this dead weight. Now you're looking up here wondering what that is. I found this because I want you to look at, here's a man. He's got a Bible in his hand and he's got a staff in the other hand. So he's a believer and he's got a walking stick. So we know he's on a journey, but I want you to notice he's got a, uh, he's got a burden on his back. He's weighted down. We don't think he's not saved because he got the Bible, but he's still weighted down. Well, it's not by sin because he's a believer, but he's weighted down by weights. He hadn't laid aside the weight. So a weight is something that is attached to you, that is hanging on to you. Sometimes we hang on to it. Sometimes we're attached to that weight, whatever it happens to be. And I'm going to tell you some things it can be in just a moment. But a weight is anything and everything that hinders our race of faith. Because we're in a race. And, and, and Jesus is the author and finisher. He began our faith and he's going to end our faith. And we're running towards a goal. What's the goal? The high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We want to reach the end and we want to break the tape. And we want to hear the Lord say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little. <clears throat> Enter into the joy of your Lord. I'm going to make you ruler over much. How many of you want to hear that voice? Amen. But here we got two things fighting against us. Sin that trips us up and weight that slows us down. We don't get there as quick as we could, as effectively as we could. Dragging, straining, tired, weary, Weights are wearing us down. That's what he's talking about. I like what one person said. They said, if it's not a wing, it's a weight. In other words, if it doesn't help you soar in your faith, it's a weight. You don't want anything in your life that doesn't help you soar in your walk with God. Weights clip your wings where you can't fly like you normally would. Sin trips us up, weights slow us down. You got to get rid of both of them if you're going to run the race. That's why he says, now at the opening of our passage, we, we have a picture and we're shown that Christians are like athletes running in a race. Everybody in here, the minute you got saved, you were at the starting gate of the race of faith and you began your rant, your run. You began to run. And here we are, we're going around the track. 
And we begin our run of faith. We begin believing Jesus and hanging on to the word. And I'm saved. And thank God I'm excited about this new walk that I've got. And thank God I'm saved. And there's that lightness of being. And we just feel great about it. And we're running. And we hear some commands come to us. The first one is, in this race you're in, you're going to have to run it with patience. You know why he used the word patience? That's the word for endurance. He's telling us right off the bat, right out of the gate, this is going to be a long race. This isn't always going to be an easy race. There's going to be resistance in this race. Challenges, battles, warfare, setbacks, disappointments, disillusionments, betrayals, letdowns. It's not all all going to be sugar and chocolate. Matter of fact, you're going to have some battles you never had before. Because the devil didn't bother with you until you got saved. And so we hear run with patience. That tells me I'm going to need perseverance. I'm going to have to put on perseverance. I'm going to have to know I'm not in a hundred yard dash. I'm in a marathon and it lasts for life. So I've made up my mind. I'm going to put on endurance. I'm going to put on perseverance. I'm going to have a mentality that no matter what comes against me, I keep running. No matter how the enemy attacks, I keep going. I don't get a little bit offended and take up my marbles and go home and pout and give up on God. Oh no, I'm a man of God. I'm a woman of God. I've made up my mind. Jesus is my savior. I'm washed in the blood. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm not hooked up to a quitter and I'm not gonna be a quitter. Everybody say perseverance. Jesus warned about being like the foolish builder who starts building his tower, but he doesn't have enough resources, so he quits halfway through. Haven't you seen some folks do that? Or a foolish general who goes to war without looking at the size or the preparedness of his army, and he goes out there and he gets defeated because he didn't go to the end and then drop back and begin the beginning, like we shared last week. Wisdom says, you size up, you count the cost. Jesus said, count the cost. And it's going to take everything you've got with the Holy Ghost in you, staying in the words, walking with God, staying in fellowship, taking your lumps with everybody else. But I'm a fighter, I'm in the ring, and I'm not going to give up. Perseverance, fighters, Christians with spines of steel, not jelly. Y'all are quiet today. See, he's saying the successful runners have counted the cost and they know what it's going to take to be victorious and their minds are made up when they leave the gate. Now there's a second command that comes as the one we're talking about today. It says, lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets you. I want you to notice that there's a word in front of weight and it's every. That means It's plural. That means there's a lot of different kinds of weights. And let me tell you today, you can make almost anything a weight. Almost anything can become a weight. Let me tell you something else. The weight may even be something good, but not best. Every athlete I've ever known always look for the best shoes, the best bike, if they're a cyclist like me. Uh, uh, Whatever it is, the sport that they're involved in, they look for the best thing to wear, the most efficient thing to wear, the best shoe. I can remember when I was a kid, 
Man, I wanted some of those PF flyers. Because they told me that if I had PF flyers, I could run faster and jump higher. So I went out and got me my high top PF flyers. And do you know that my son knew that I loved those PF flyers so much that a few Christmases ago, he gave me at Christmas some PF flyers. So when I need to feel like I'm running faster or jumping higher, I put on my PF flyers. Now I told you something personal about me. Some of you don't even know what that is. I dated myself just now. That was like the Michael Jordan shoes of that day. Cause I'm kind of old. No, I'm kidding. Now watch this. A weight. Here's the scary thing about weights. They can be good, but not best. Listen to what Paul said. We're allowed to do anything. This is first Corinthians 10, 23. We're allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for us to do. We're allowed to do anything, but not all things help us grow strong as Christians. This is telling me that there's some things I can do that are not necessarily against Scripture. But they're not best for me. Because see, my weights may not be your weights. And your weights may not be my weights. There are certain things that I know that I can't get near or it's going to become a weight to me. And there's things that you ought not let into your life because it's going to become a weight for you. It may not be a weight for me, but it's a weight for you because it weighs you down, slows you down, is a drag on your faith. And you're not everything you could be in God because it's in your life. So he's telling us there's things that are, are legal but not beneficial. Hope you all hear this today. There's things that are legal that you can say, oh, yeah, I'm a believer, but I can still do that. But ask yourself, is it going to help you in the race? Because only one thing matters in life. Let me tell you my heart. And let me tell you Paul's heart. There's only one thing that matters in life. When you're a believer, God has laid his hand on you. You are not fearfully and wonderfully evolved. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God made you for a purpose on purpose. And, and there is a purpose on your life. Paul put it this way. I was walking along and suddenly Jesus apprehended me. And so I want to apprehend that for which he apprehended me. Because there was something in his mind when he laid his hand on me. And it wasn't just heaven. It was something in his will and his purposes for the now, for life, for the world to accomplish. So anything that hinders me from reaching that goal, from apprehending what I was apprehended for, from running my race, I'm going to put it aside. If it's a weight, it's going. If it's sin, it's got to go. We're talking about total commitment today. Christianity in the raw, like it was meant to be. Not this Western Christianity, you get saved and then live the way you want to. No, there's no such thing as that. The, the, the Bible never separates salvation from lordship. Weights are different things for different people. Uh, in one, it may be pride. In another person, it might be vanity. In another, worry. Some of you came into church like this, oh, just like that guy. And go up to you and, how you doing? You better preach me up today. 
What's the matter? I'm just worried. I got bills to pay. And this is, listen, worry is not from God. And, and worry is like a dark room where negatives are developed. And if you've got a tendency to worry, the Bible says we need to lay it down. In another person, it might be a violent temper or a corrupt imagination or a callous heart. In somebody else, it might be an unholy attachment. A weight can be a relationship that weighs you down because you know that when you're with that person or with that group, you're not the Christian you should be. So you walk away from that person or that group weighted down. You know you weren't all you should be when you were with them. They're dragging you down. They're a drag on your faith. There may not be open sin, but it's not a relationship that is giving you wings to fly. If it's not, listen, if it's not a wing, it's a weight. In other words, whatever the weight may be, we're commanded to lay it down. The Bible says, don't be deceived. Bad company ruins good character. That's talking about a relationship that weighs you down. It's a weight. We're to lay it down, lay it aside. Paul did not allow anything between him and the Jesus his eyes were peeled on. Now, that little phrase, lay it aside, lay aside every weight and lay aside the sin, both of which easily beset you. That phrase, lay it aside, was one of Paul's favorites. He used it all the time. In Ephesians 4.22, he said, lay aside the old man with his deeds. Then in Romans 13.12, he said, lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Isn't that funny? Just lay it aside. James used the same phrase. He said, lay aside all filthiness and evil. Lay it aside. In the Bible, that phrase, lay it aside, is, is used to describe laying down a garment. It's just like taking off a coat and laying it down. In Acts 7.58, when Stephen was being martyred by being stoned to death, it says the witnesses laid down their robes at the feet of Saul. Same word. They just laid it down. So, Pastor, how do I lay down a, a weight that's, that's, that's wrapped around me, even if it's a good thing? You know, I'm, I'm thinking of Martha. Even the work of the Lord became a weight to her. Do you know that when I first got saved and, and, and when God called me in the ministry and I began to minister and got rid of my stage fright, I was like a lion uncaged. Now that I'm rid of the stage fright, somebody invite me because I'm going to come tear it up. And, and before I knew it, I was doing five and six meetings a week. It was a good thing. People were being saved. People were being blessed. I was learning the word. I was learning how to preach and teach. I was 18, 19 years old. I had zeal for the Lord. And I just tore into ministry. But one day I woke up and my soul felt empty. And the burning to preach the word of God was absent. And I said, Lord, what's wrong? And he said, you've burned yourself out. Because you've been so busy with the work of the Lord, you detached from the Lord of the work. Now, I didn't mean I backslid. It just means I was so busy with the work of the Lord. This is why I had made it an idol. And so the work of the Lord became a weight to me. Sometimes your calendar is your problem. Your calendar may be filled with all kinds of good things, 
God glorify. I'm going to this meeting, that meeting. I'm going to go minister here. I'm going to go minister there. And, and it's all good things that the word of God would never be against. But it's so cram full. You're like that man. You've got a weight on your back. You're, you're weighted down. You're dragging your feet. You're tired. You're exhausted. You need sleep and you can't sleep. You're so tired you can't sleep. Sometimes we need to readjust our calendar so that we're not weighted down with good things. Martha was this way. Martha was serving Jesus, waiting on Jesus, preparing food for Jesus. And Mary is at his feet, listening to the word. Martha comes rumbling out of there, self-righteous. Lord, tell her to get in here and help me. Jesus said, tisk, tisk, Martha, Martha. You are careful and troubled about so many things. Translated, you're weighted down, girl. You are weighted down. But I'm waiting on you. Yeah, but there's no balance. You ought to be in here listening to the word and then get in there and move some pots and pans around. But you have totally gone into service without spending any time with me. Ooh. Say, well, how do I lay a weight down, Pastor Jeff? Identify it. First, identify it. That's not hard. What's dragging on you? Repent of it once you identify it. Say, that's the weight. And then remove it. The Bible says just lay it down and walk away. Readjust that calendar. Start learning to say no. You know, no is an anointed word in the right situation. Somebody said to me one time, Pastor, you've got to. And they told me something I had to do. Something rose up in me and I said, I don't have to do anything. The Holy Spirit does not tell me to do. See, God never meant for you to burn out. He meant for you to burn on. And the reason we burn out is weights. Things that drag us, exhaust us. Now, the million-dollar question is, well, how do you know when something needs to be laid down? How can I look around me? And in my life and realize I got to lay it down. I think the best illustration is found in Acts 27. Now, let me, let me give you the scenario. Paul has appealed to Caesar. He's on a ship and they're taking him to see the man, Nero, the insane dictator. And so he's crossing the sea. They're in a ship and all of a sudden a storm kicks up. Have y'all ever noticed that storms don't send you a telegram saying, I'll be there in one week. Get ready for me. No, you got to be preemptive. You always got to be ready for a storm. Now, the Bible says in verse 14 of Acts 27, Luke describes it, what happened. He says, the weather changed all of a sudden. That's the way storms do. They are sudden. And a wind of typhoon strength called a northeaster burst across the island and blew us out to sea. Now look, they're being blown by a storm. But it gets worse. He said in verse 15, we lost all control. You ever feel that way? A storm hits and it's hard for you to believe that God's in control of anything. He said, but we lost all control of the ship. We were like a cork in the storm, just being beat around, knocked around. And then he says it got worse. Wind and waves were battering us unmercifully, and we lost all hope of rescue. But watch what they did next. They're in the middle of a storm. It is driving them, threatening them, 
threatening to take their life. They're at the mercy of this thing is the way they feel. Look what they began to do. In verse 18, the next day, as gale force winds continued to batter the ship, the crew began losing weight. That's my paraphrase, the revised Wickwire slanted version. But this is said, the crew began throwing the cargo overboard, losing the weight. And on the third day with their own hands, they lost more weight. They lightened the ship even further by throwing part of the sails and ropes into the sea. Now I want you to notice what was happening here in the tough times when caught in a storm, when wind and wave was beating against them, they threw over every weight as fast as they could. They lightened their load to save their lives. They were, had a direction. They had a destination. They had on their calendar a meeting with the most powerful man in the world. And yet here comes a storm. So what I learned from this story is first, adversity often exposes the weights that are in our life. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever noticed this about you? I know it's true of me. When a storm comes, it's time for self-examination. And I start going, okay, Lord, are there any sins in my life? And are there any weights in my life? Is there anything that's not pleasing you? How many of you ever prayed that in a storm? Have you noticed when there's no storm, we cruise. We're on cruise control. And we just go down the highway of life. We gather a little bit of baggage here and a little bit of baggage there. And we don't pay much attention to it until suddenly out of nowhere comes a storm. And then we get on our knees before God. And we say, Lord, I don't know why this is here. I don't know what's going on. But if there's any sin in my life that's caused this, oh, I repent. Show me. If there's anything I'm doing that's not pleasing you, show me. And we do self-examination. And that storm has a way of trimming us down, making us lighten the load. Remember, if it's not a wing, it's a weight. They weren't thinking of the unnecessary baggage that was on that boat until a storm made them look around and go, what can we do without? Powerful. So I've learned to let storms work for my good. If I'm going to go through a storm, it might as well work for my good. So in a storm, I say, Lord, speak to me. And the Lord's always got something to say. And you know, when I was standing over here worshiping, it was like the Holy Spirit said something to me. I don't do this often. But the Holy Spirit seemed to say to me, Somebody's here today, maybe several, and you're sinking. And you feel like there's a hole in the boat. And there is a storm raging around your life. And you're here to see if God will do anything. If there's anything here that may help you. And the Lord seemed to say to me, tell that person they have faith. And tell that person to lift their faith up towards me because I'm going to carry them through and I want them to leave knowing it. And I felt that. And I want you to know that I believe that's so. And this is for you. I want you to know that the Bible says he has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm. Even in the storms of life, God is in control. I came to talk about weights but I'm going to tell you about a storm that 
The storm will work for your good. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went down into that burning, fiery oven, they were bound up with ropes, hand and foot. They were bound when they went down. But the only thing the fire burned off of them was their bondage. And when they came out, they were free and light and moved on in God. The fire only burned off what bound them. And it's going to be the same with you. I don't know who you are, but I want you to go out skipping, though you came in dragging. Now, the second indicator that you're dealing with a weight and that you need to deal with the weight because the weight's dealing with you is you realize that that certain something, that weight is hindering you in battle. David was about to go face Goliath. Saul put on him his armor. Saul's armor. Saul was a tall man, 6'4", 6'5". David was not. David was 5'11", 6 foot. He was not particularly tall. He put on him this weighty, clunky armor. And he said, this is the best we've got. You go meet Goliath in this. And David moved around. He couldn't move well. It was too heavy. And he said, Saul, I can't use it. It's too heavy. I got to shed this weight. And he took off that weighty armor. He was then light as a feather. And he faced Goliath, not in man's armor, but in God's faith. He went and got five smooth stones out of the brook, one for Goliath and four for his brothers in case they showed up. He said, I'm not planning on missing any of them. And he met him not by might and not by power, but in the Holy Spirit. And Goliath came down. He lost the weight. And that's how he won. True story. The army of Alexander the Great was advancing on Persia. At one critical point, it appeared his troops might be defeated and killed. The soldiers, here was their problem. They had taken so much plunder from their previous campaigns, riches, gold, silver, stuff, plunder, that it was weighing them down. They had become weighted down. And that's why they were losing the battle. And Alexander looked and saw the problem. He said, you're hanging on to stuff you think you want. But the stuff you're hanging on to is going to cost you your life. Because there's only one thing that really matters, reaching the end. And, and that means fighting the good fight and winning the good fight. So he said, bring me all the stuff you've gathered that's weighing you down. And they put it in a great big pile and he put a match to it. And all these things that they were clinging to, all these things they were carrying along, all these things weighing them down were burned up. And the men became bitter and angry until they saw the wisdom in what he told them to do. Nothing is worth your race. Nothing is worth your life. I love what somebody wrote who was there. This is straight out of history. Quote, this person said, quote, it was as if wings had been given to them and they walked lightly again and they won the battle. If it's not a wing, it's a weight. If it doesn't help you soar, it's pulling you back. Paul and his shipmates knew they would never survive the storm, never reach the goal, never set foot on dry land again unless they lost the unnecessary baggage weighing them down. So he said, lay aside the weights. Even if they're good things, God will give you a best thing. Whatever your weights might be, they're keeping you from running as fast as you could, as far as you would. And as effectively as you should. 
Paul said, run to win. If you're going to win the crucial battles, you've got to lose the weights. Now, there's one last thing I see. And this really blessed me because I never saw this before in the Word. But I see that losing weight, the kind of weights we're talking about, shows that we didn't need everything we thought we did. The Bible says they had to get rid of weights two times. The first time it made sense. It was the predictable stuff. It says, as the gale force winds continued to batter the ship, the crew began throwing cargo overboard. They threw the cargo overboard. The cargo was the merchandise they'd been paid to carry across to the destination. So they got rid of that. I don't need that. That's not worth my life. It was expendable, but it didn't stop there because the storm kept on coming on and the storm got more fierce until finally on the third day with their own hands, they began to find anything and everything and they lightened the ship even further, the Bible says, by throwing part of the sails and ropes into the sea. We call this tackling. The tackling of the ship meant more to them. It was more of a personal attachment with the tackling than there was the cargo. They were having to get rid of things that mattered to their heart. Anchors, sails, cables, baggage, but are you ready? Beds and furniture, anything weighing them down. They said, we got to make it. Uh, nothing is worth going down. Nothing is worth going under. There's not one thing on this boat that is worth me going under for and becoming shark food. So I'm throwing everything over. You see what they were doing? They're throwing away everything and anything that would hinder them from staying afloat. Things that they thought they could not do without, they did without. Do you know that God will allow sometimes us to go through a stripping process so that we can learn that the things that we have brought on that have become weights to us that we thought we had to have, we didn't have to have them at all. Let me tell you what you've got to have. You've got to have Jesus in your heart. If you've got Jesus in your heart, now I'm not trying to be preachy or formulaic or simple or toss out some meaningless formula. I'm telling the truth. Physically, we got to have oxygen and water. We can live a long time with oxygen and water. And there's a lot of things we can do without. Spiritually, without Jesus, you're dead. Without Jesus, there's no life. Without Jesus, you're lost. Without Jesus, you're blind. Without Jesus, you have no spiritual life in your heart. You can do a lot without a lot of things, but you can't do without him. When it comes to getting rid of weights that you think you've got to have, the beautiful thing about it is you end up like Alexander's men, that when you get rid of the weights so you can run the race and win the battles of your life, you find that you didn't need what you thought you needed, you didn't have to have what you thought you had to have, and you feel light as a feather to run the race. I feel some weights getting ready to be dropped in a minute. So here it is. Can you stand with me? Say with me, weights are often revealed in adversity. We must lose the weight for successful battle. And I can do without more than I think I can. David said, when I awake, I am satisfied with your likeness. Having food and clothing, let us be there with content. 
If you have Jesus, you're good. That boat will float. Amen? Let's bow for a moment. With your heads bowed, I want to ask you some questions real quickly. In your journey of faith, what's weighing you down? What's holding you back? A person? A place? A thing? What's tripping you up, burdening your efforts to live the life you've been called to live? Here's a question for you. Really think about it. What could you cast aside today to lighten your load? What are you clinging on to that makes your life more cumbersome? An unencumbered walk is what we want in 2013. We want the church to be a lean, mean, spiritual machine. And I mean that in a good way. Lethal for the devil, but a blessing to God's people. With your heads bowed, I want to ask a question. If there's a sin that's tripping you up and it causes you to just stop the run, will you give it up today? And if there's a weight, person, place, thing, dragging on your run, wearying you, burning you out because your energy is gone, Would you lay that weight down today? If you'll say yes to either one of those, would you raise your hand and let God see? All over this place, many of you, God bless you. I want to do something. I did this in the first service and it was so powerful and did it last night. I want to ask you, if you raise your hand, I want to ask you to come down. Oh, Pastor Jeff, why do I have to go down there? Because you take one step. That's your step of faith. And God's going to meet us down here. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to leave sins and weights in this altar. We're going to lose the weight. And we're going to lose the sins. So I want you to make your way down. And I want to pray with you right here. And then you're going to go back to your seat. It's that simple. But I want you to come. And we're going to pray a powerful prayer right now. In the name of Jesus. I'm waiting on you. There's many from all over this place. We're so aware of sins, but we're not aware of those weights. God is moving. This is precious in the sight of God. Thank you, Lord. God wants his people unencumbered to run that race. Now I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. I want you to picture in your mind's eye right now, whatever it is. If it's a sin, picture it, name it. And if it's a weight, name it. We're going to go to the Lord and we're going to place it right in his hands. We're identifying it. We are confessing it. And then we're going to lay it aside. We're going to lay it aside right in the nail-scarred hands of Jesus. And we're going to leave those weights and those sins in this altar. So say with me, Lord Jesus, I receive this word. I want to run. I don't want to limp. I don't want to be 
totally stopped, but I want to run. I bring to you, now name it, tell him, just between you and the Lord. I want you to picture the hand of the Lord taking what you have just given him and closing his hand over it. And he's turning around and he's walking away with it. He wants you to know he's got it. Now say with me, Lord, give me the grace to leave it in your hand. I have laid it aside. I'm walking away from it. Thank you for fresh liberty. Something is surgical in the spirit is just happening in this altar right now. God is just doing something in the hearts of people. I'm telling you, something has really happened here. There's been a divine transfer. Your weight for his freedom, your sin for his righteousness. Lift your hands to him and just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for setting me free. In Jesus' name. Now, how many of you down here, tell the truth, you got right with God and came back to Him or came to Him the first time. Can I see your hand? Several of you. I want to be sure we pray with you a little bit longer. So I'm going to ask, Robert here, raise your hand. That tall, handsome guy right there, that's Robert. I want those of you, listen carefully, who got right with God or you feel you need further prayer, I want you to follow Robert into that back room for just a few minutes. He's going to give you something to take home with you. And we want to be sure we pray through with you what God has begun. So if you came back to the Lord or you feel you need more prayer, I want you to go with him right now. The rest of you, if you feel it's okay, you can return to your seat. So would you do that? Start following Robert right back there because something's going to continue back in that back room.